Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. And today you're going to hear from a great speaker. So grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Well, welcome back, Masterpiece Women. We are so excited to um, be with you today. And I'm so excited about our guest, Cheryl Weber. How are you today, love? Oh, it's so great to see you again, Tina. And thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to be part of your podcast. I'm excited to have you. And ladies, you have a treat today. So Cheryl and I go way back, actually right about 10 years today, just about, uh, we met on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro. How crazy is that? <laughs> right? All the way from here in North America, we only meet in Africa. I love it. Exactly. How often can you say, oh yeah, this is my friend who I met at Mount Kilimanjaro. There's just That's a few a of us. Exotic. Exactly. So, um, and we were talking today, Cheryl's an extraordinary leader. She has an extraordinary history in broadcasting and journalism. And I'm, I'll have her bio down below because it's just phenomenal how God has used her in so many areas to impact the world. So it's exciting to have her. And um, when I was thinking about what do I want Cheryl to talk about? There's so many good nug golden nuggets that she could share with us today. But I thought, you know what, let's talk, let's start where we kind of start where we met, which um, was Mount Kilimanjaro, but the why behind it, which is really I believe one of the things that um, holds so many women back, and that's fear. So Kathy Anderson, who was um, the leader of the first climb and um, continued to partner with me as I led it throughout the season until she went to go be with um, Jesus, um, she had gone to this conference and she was like, it was the question of what is still holding you back? What stronghold still has some kind of power over you? And hers was fear of heights. And so she said, okay, I'm going to go do Mount Whitney and um, get over this fear of heights. And then God unloaded this um, vision to go and climb for the oppressed and enslaved. And when she came back, she decided she was going to create this climb to go climb for the oppressed and enslaved. And that's where Cheryl and I met. And she was such an extraordinary leader. She was amazing. So inspiring. That's how I met her actually. And it's funny, I was trying to get her on our show uh, probably about two months before she did pass. And unfortunately, she just got a little sicker right around that time and couldn't travel. But oh, I just loved her. Yeah, she was amazing. Like, she was that woman that when you met her, you just you fell madly in love with her because she had Jesus written all over her. She was just yes, <laughs> she was a thousand percent. Don't you don't you agree, though, Cheryl, when um, as you have dealt with women in particular, dealing in leadership and setting goals, et cetera, et cetera. How often is it that fear is the stronghold that we all encounter that we, that tries to grab us and beat us up? You know what? I'm so passionate about talking about this because I've had to overcome a lot of fear in my own life. Uh, I definitely never, I was terrified of being on television, ironic, since that's my job now. 
uh, didn't ever wanted to be a speaker or in front of people. And definitely, you know, I do a lot of traveling to humanitarian areas of the world. And I was the kind of person, I was a homebody. Everyone came to my house. I didn't even want to go to their house. I, I only thought travel should be maybe five-star hotels. So, I mean, God has done such a work in my life. And I, I honestly, you know, I was telling you before we, we recorded today that I have this saying that fear is a bully. And my experience is like any bully is when you stand up to it, it gets smaller and smaller. My first three years on television, I don't think I slept once. Tina, the night before I was on air ever, like I never had more than maybe maximum three hours of sleep. Like I literally remember being on television and at the time I was a reporter. So the host was talking and I could tell they were getting to the end of their sentence and my mind was completely blank. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to say next. Like, and then at the very last minute, something would come in my brain. So I know what it means to face fear, but I just have this, I just have this determination. I decided a long time ago that I don't want to let fear rob me of life and opportunity and all the things that God has for me. I don't want to end my life saying, I, oh, I could have been this or I could have been that, but because I just let fear control me, you know, I, I said no to, to those things. So I just have a policy that I say yes to the things that scare me and do it afraid. Like generally you don't die from being afraid. You might have an upset stomach. You might be shaky. You might be sweaty, whatever. But now I'm on TV every day. I travel the whole world. I, you know, I speak in front of people and I am not afraid anymore. And that is, you know, even when you go get coaching for anxiety, one of the things they do is they tell you to expose yourself in bits to the thing that scares you. For me, I just end up diving in head first. Like when we climbed Kilimanjaro, <laughs> it never occurred to me. I never thought about the fact that I was afraid of heights until the day we were walking around the lip of the volcano and there's like a thousand foot drop right next to me and my legs are all shaky and I'm just praying to God that I don't fall off the mountain. And I was like, Oh yeah, maybe I should have thought about heights when I said yes to climbing a mountain. That was really scary you know, when you look down the side and you're like, oh wow, if I'm like one foot over, I'm going down to no, no return. I'll be dead, right? Oh my gosh, I never even thought about it, but I'm just, I, you know, I, I think sometimes fear controls us when we don't realize it, mm -hmm. but to the degree that I know that fear is standing in my way, I just say yes and do it afraid. And I just keep doing it. And it's like, you just keep overcoming it and going to that next level. And, and I love what you said too, about, you know, the way that we doubt ourselves. That's another kind of fear. That's not the fear maybe of, you know, like being judged or failing, but it's, it's really a fear about who we really are. And I think when you realize, I remember watching an interview in the actor's studio, it used to be this interview show with a famous actor. And they talked about how they feel like a big fake, that, that their fear is that someday someone's gonna realize that they don't have what it takes, that they aren't actually all that they say they are. And when I heard that, and I was a young television producer in those days, and that's how I felt. I felt every time I said I was a producer, I felt like a big fraud. <laughs> when I realized that's how, you know, like successful, famous people feel, then I, I realized that's something we all share. We all have those doubts about whether we are enough or we really are who we say we are, or people are gonna discover that we're human or weak or whatever it is. And I don't know, I was just able to release it at that point and just realize it's a human experience and do it anyway. Just don't let fear rob your life. And how, were there any practical tools that you used, Cheryl, that you could identify that you'd say, you know what, when I was struggling with fear, in my life, I did this specific thing. 
Who? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously there are some great scriptures that you can meditate on. Like, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power. Okay. What is power? Power is not of me. It comes from God in me. Love. Love is an incredible force. I tell people all the time when I interview them for television, because if, if people aren't, some people are experienced, no problem, but other people, it's their first time they're terrified. I always tell them focus on mission. So when you're thinking about you, which is kind of the common thing that we all do, like, am I having a great hair day? Did I just gain five pounds? What if I don't, what if I forget what I'm going to say? What, you know, it's a me, 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 me. So yeah. I say, focus on mission. What do you want to accomplish through this interview? What are you passionate about? Oh, you're speaking up for these people or, or you want to see God bring healing to people and grief. I'm working on an interview for that for tomorrow. Um, whatever it is, as soon as you get on mission, as you're focusing on love and passion, all that fear goes away. Because that's, that's how you're purposed and motivated. So, so God's giving you a spirit of love and then a sound mind. So even asking God for that, God, give me a sound mind. You know, I, I, I think that faith is not the absence of fear. So sometimes people think if I really had faith, I wouldn't be afraid. And I think that's a lie. I think I faith is choosing to trust God despite your fear. It's just knowing that he's going to carry you even when you're terrified. And we're capable of more than we realize Every woman listening to this has something in her that she has yet to realize or walk out. And God speaks to our potential, not our reality. So I remember when I was first going on television, I could hear myself talking in my head in a way that I never could seem to get out because of fear, you know, just the nervousness and all of that. But now I do, now I do, I do what was in me back then. I'm able to do it because that fear has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as I've done the work. And so God, I think one of the things I love about him is that he's in the future already and he sees what you're becoming. And I could never have imagined the things, my life today, 20 years ago, but he knew and he was yeah. already speaking those things to me. So I think I sometimes it. it's, it's just faith. It's just taking the step. It's just saying the yes, even when you feel like you're not enough, even when you're afraid of failing, even when you don't think you can do it. And even when you don't sleep the night before, just, just say yes. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy because right now we're doing the study in, of Exodus actually in Masterpiece Women. And um, when I took that position, when we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, that was the book he took me to then. And then here we are again, 10 years later in the same book. And I think about Moses and he was so insecure. I can't speak. I can't this, I can't that. And I remember when God called me to do this position, I was waiting on him to tell me what I was supposed to do. Well, the position I had for um, freedom climb. And I was scared out of my mind to take this position because it was so out of my comfort zone. And there was something about speaking about human trafficking that was so dark and so and it just, every time I'd get, I would just start shaking and I would feel like, you know, my heart was just pounding. I was so insecure and the enemy was just constantly. And I, when I finally learned to control those thoughts and go, no, you know what? God called me here. He will equip me. He's called me to do this. This is him working through me. I don't have to be perfect. I just have to show up. And it was so freeing. Then it's like, okay, I can do this. But, you know, how often do we get, just like you said, stuck in the me, me, me? What if I mess up? What if I look like a fool? <laughs> it's okay. I, 
Right. And here's the thing, like God is never going to ask you to do something you can already do. Like he really, he really loves it when we're in that place of like, I don't know how to do this. I'm totally terrified. I need you help me. Oh my gosh. You know, when you're like totally relying on God, we hate it. Like, and I learned that on Killy actually, it's a great point. Um, I got sick pretty early in the climb, like on day three with altitude sickness and I'm taping the climb. So I actually have to, no matter what happens, like I have to summit because I have to get footage of it. <laughs> and um, I just remember, you know, like I had to, I had to literally rely on God for every step the whole way up that mountain for two days, just sick as a dog, like just can't breathe and wanting to throw up and headaches and shaking and oh, it's just awful. And I hated it. And I realized like in ourselves, we don't like depending on God. We like to feel like we know what we're doing. We're in control. You know, we got this covered. But usually when God asks you to do something, it's so far beyond you yep. um, so that you do depend on him so that you are saying, God, help me. I need your help this moment. I, you know, and he just, he just loves that. That's, you know, that's exactly how he wants us to be. It's how we should be. And when we get more confident in certain things that we're doing, we do less and less of that. We, we stop praying. We stop depending. We stop looking for inspiration and ideas from him. And so I think, you know, if, it's, if God's asking you to do something, Tina, how you felt, is exactly how you will feel. Like yep. we should just understand that that is going to be normal. That's the only way that we do exploits for God is by stepping into the areas where we don't feel enough. I literally remember when I started reporting for um, the show that I work for, just like a Christian perspective on news around the world. I Someone prayed for me and they said, oh, I, I see you wearing these shoes that are too big for you. And it's really awkward and you can't really walk in it. But I see over time that God's going to grow you into those shoes. And that's exactly what happens. It's like sometimes, a lot of the time you step into it, not knowing what you're doing. And then you grow, you grow into it as you face those fears and, and do the work. And for me, like I started reporting nationally in Canada as my first reporting job. So, you know, I'm like, no, when you start reporting, you go cable, then you go local, then you go national and you grow. And he just started me on national. Of course, I was still like, I was at cable level though. That was the thing, right? I was really <laughs> embarrassing. Now when I look back, I think, oh, I actually did that on air. <laughs> but like, I just think that's who God is. Absolutely. He doesn't follow the rules and he likes to stretch us and he likes us to be uncomfortable because it's in those places that we absolutely depend on him and not on ourselves. 100%. I remember one time someone said to me, Tina, your greatest strength is your leadership and your independence. You can take a task and we know that your greatest weakness is your independence. You have to be careful as a leader not to be independent and make sure that you're completely dependent. And um, I went, me? (laughs) And it really, you know, I had to really go, had to evaluate and pray and ask, am I independent of you, God. I don't ever want to be independent of you. But I realized that that's why I was so uncomfortable was because a lot of what I did previous to that had been in my flesh. And I was a great business builder. He gave me lots of, you know, great tools and um, capabilities to build business and do all of that. But when it came to being in full-time ministry and representing him, and not representing just me. And I was like, oh God, help me, help me. And I was completely <laughs> dependent on him, and, which is what he wants, right? And that's really where I grew the greatest was in those moments of weakness of not knowing how on earth to do what he's called me to do and going, okay, it's on you because I have no idea right now. And I'd never faced that. And it was such a stretching place, but such a great place of growth. 
And um, so I challenge every woman out there, if you're hearing this today, if you feel uncomfortable heading towards the goal or vision that God's given you, do it, do it scared, stretch yourself till it, it starts feeling a little more comfortable and then stretch yourself some more because that's when you're going to grow and how God's going to use you incredibly. And you know that in fitness, right? Like it's only when you push yourself past that area where your muscles are hurting and you're breathing hard that you actually get stronger. And there's, it's no difference. It's no different in life. You have to step into uncomfortable places and grow. And that's the only way you, you do grow. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing now, Cheryl, because I didn't really go in and I know we have your bio down below, but I love what you just shared of where you came from and where are you now and what are you doing? He's put you into a lot of new spaces. What did that look like for you? Yeah, well, these days I host a, na a national daily Christian television show in Canada. It's, the, it's, I think, the only national daily Christian television or one of the only. We don't have the same um, amount of Christian TV that you guys have. So, um, and on top of that, I, I'm a storyteller and um, a communicator of our humanitarian and aid work around the world. It's been a little slower, obviously, during COVID. We've had to do it from a distance, hoping very, very soon to get back on the road because I miss it so much. Um, all the things that I would have hated if you talked to me 20 years ago and said, no, I don't want to do that. I absolutely love. Actually, I actually have this great story even of um, being in church about 20 years ago. and they talked about going to the nations, like going to the world and making a difference. And I, uh, I you know, they said, if, if you, if that's you, you know, come up to the front. And I was like, oh, I, I hate going up to the front. I don't like, I, my, my business of God is personal. I don't want to know, you know, but I just knew I was supposed to go. So I went up to the front. They said, take off your shoes and commit your feet to God. See, there was right back to the same theme, right? Of stretching and doing the things that scare you. But it wasn't just scary. Like I actually just didn't want to do it. It just didn't sound fun to me like when I when I thought of traveling the world it was a little different and I heard God saying to me like dusty corners of the world places nobody goes and I was like like don't send me so I remember like just crying like from my gut crying just saying and then and finally just saying okay fine if this is what you want for me I really I want to live a life that is fulfilling my purpose and destiny to the max I don't want to miss out on anything you have for me so if this is what you really have for me then I'm taking off my shoes I'm kidding my feet I'm going to do it but I just ask you for one thing, please give me a love and a passion for it. If I don't want to be one of those miserable Christians, who's kind of like, <laughs> well, I'm doing it for the Lord, you know, sacrifice, but I really hate it. Like, forget it. You know, I'm like, give yeah. me a passion for it. And a few years later, maybe four years later, I lived in Germany for the summer, uh, working at a world expo there as a producer and backpacked across Europe and totally fell in love with travel to the point when I got back, I was like, where are we going? When are we going? Why am I stuck here in Canada? You know, like he literally changed my heart. So that, I think that's I another great it. tip for women out there. When you feel called to do something that maybe isn't your natural born passion, God knows you better than you know you. And literally for me, when I am in, I remember actually walking between two villages in Northern Uganda, like dusty. I had the worst food poisoning of my life. I was in so much physical pain because of it, but there was nowhere to actually go. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and I and we're doing a story there. And I'm just thinking, literally, I'm in so much pain. And I'm thinking there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be right now than right here. Like that doesn't even make logical I sense. I love it. 
And so I think sometimes we have to trust that where God's leading us, even though we're kind of like, I'm not a public speaker, I'm not an author or I, whatever it is, you know, I don't know if I could advocate that well for people. I think it's like, trust that because I'm thrilled at the life that I have. I love everything I'm doing. Where did that come from? I would never have chosen this. So I think God knows you better than you know yourself. And I'm just, it hasn't been easy. You read a little bit of my story, Tina. Um, there's lots of hard stuff when you're trying to really just follow God with your whole heart, but man, it's worth it. It is. I agree. I remember um, standing in a um, place in Haiti. I was doing some consulting for Mission of Hope Haiti. Love that organization. And I remember looking at one of the pictures of the children there and just thinking to myself, thank you, God. And I remember saying it to my husband, this is why God created me. And I just knew in that moment, and I feel that way with Masterpiece Women, like, I know that this is where God has called me to be. Now, I can't say I felt that way about Freedom Climb. I was kicking and screaming when he called me, let me tell you, because (laughs) I'd already been offered a really great position with another organization. I love that organization. And I gave all my, I don't know if you knew this at that end, I gave all my equipment away, all of it. I was like, I'm never climbing another day. This is not for me. And I was that girl that you described my first mission trip to India. I was such a snot. It's embarrassing to say it, but I said to my pastor, what do you mean we have to go regular class? Like I have miles. I can just upgrade. I did. He looked at me like I had two heads. He goes, Tina, you're going on a mission trip. I'm like, I've never flown in and I've done a lot of travel, but it all been five star. And it's like, God, this is not what you're calling me to do, right? I know, but it is, honey. And I'm preparing you for this dirty climb. And I had dated someone, like just gone on one date literally with him. And he said, do you like camping? I'm like, yeah, at the Ritz Carlton. He goes, oh, we love camping. I'm like, yeah, we're probably not a good fit. I mean, and I look back now and I just laugh how we in our own just humanity and privilege and yet Mm. God uses it all though you know so um and he then guess what I flew a lot of times back to India in regular class and all over the world regular class as a missionary myself you know but if you'd have told me I was going to do that when we climbed that climb there's no way I would have ever said I'd be leading a bunch of treks for the next five to six years climbing and being intense and freezing and all that went with it. And I love it. Rough. I don't know I, if people understand quite how rough it actually is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The worst, the worst ever was our Everest trip though, but that's another story for another time. But we got the um, stomach bug 42 out of 45 of us on the way up. So oh. we had to determine we're going to do it sick. Talk about doing it afraid. <laughs> Yeah. And there's so many technical aspects of actually being sick on a mountain without restrooms that we can't really go into. (laughs) Exactly. You you know. So anyway, yeah. So when God calls you, he definitely equips you. But oftentimes at first you're like, what? Really? Do it anyway. If he calls you, because it's so rewarding. It really is. And um, some of my favorite memories have been in that season. And the amazing women that, you know, I've had the privilege of becoming friends with and staying connected. I mean, I'm blessed to have you. I wouldn't even know you if we hadn't climbed that crazy mountain together. 
It's true, right? I know. I love it. I love connecting 10 years later too. It feels very special that it's the 10 year anniversary. It definitely is. It's so, so crazy. So, and from that, you think about all the, and I use a lot of the analogies of mountain climbing related to leadership, like the fact that we have to take slow steps and, um, I know for you, there was a lot of work and a lot of heartache and a lot of um, difficulties and a lot of rewards in your your climb to where you're at right now. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about maybe what was the most difficult thing you faced in um, achieving the goals that God called you to achieve and how did you overcome them? There's so many, but I, I think of one in particular. I had a dream, actually. This is about two years before my challenging time happened that the, I had a dream that I was in a building and there was um, men outside with AK-47s about to attack. And I remember we were getting um, all the children out and the VIPs out, all this stuff, you know, and this woman came up to me and she said, you are a person who prays, aren't you? And in my dream, I can't believe I did this, Tina. It was so disrespectful. I went, duh. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course. Oh, goodness. How do you act like that in real life? And um, she said, God is going to set a table before you in the presence of your enemies, which comes from the Bible. So I wrote it down. I didn't know what it meant. A couple of years later, we had new leadership where I was working and uh, they didn't like me. It's hard to believe. I really don't understand. But they didn't like me. (laughs) That is hard to believe. If you know Cheryl, it's hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) I went through two years of just... um, humiliation like I don't know how to say it very just mean-spirited things happened to me being put in my place just oh I, like like literally there was one woman that I worked with like she would come down and talk to me I'd be getting I'd be in the makeup chair getting ready to go on air and she'd be so nice and then she'd send this really mean email and say like let's just get clothing sponsorship for the other two hosts because they're the only real hosts or just I, I don't even know like just oh so I so yeah just like during that time I remember feeling so crushed um weeping so many nights so hurt and also complaining like I you know it's happened to me and another friend of mine actually um so both of us we'd go for power walks and then we'd be like I can't believe they said that I can't believe they did that and then and then we we'd come back down from the walk and we were walking up a hill come back down and we'd be like oh we shouldn't have been complaining we shouldn't have been criticizing and then we'd like repent and we'd pray for the people who were doing mean things to us it's a really hard time for a lot of people that I worked with um And I remember during that time thinking, okay, if you actually think that you are called to national leadership in Canada, that's what you believe, then you have to start taking the Bible seriously and stop making excuses. So the Bible says, love those who persecute you, do good to those who despitefully use you, good to those, love them, not just, you know, and the Bible talks about how like, even people who don't believe in God love people who love them. The thing that makes you different as a person of faith is that you love those who hate you like say Putin, for example. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was a huge challenge. And I remember for two years, like repenting, praying for those people, asking God to get my heart right. And, and near the end of that time, I remember him saying to me that forgiveness is not just a feeling or a decision, but it's an action. If you're really forgiving and loving someone, the Bible talks about do good to those who despitefully use you. So particularly this one um, woman who was making my life miserable, I had a couple opportunities to help her in different ways. And I remember the second time I helped her right afterwards, like within a few days, she was let go and people were celebrating. Actually, she wasn't that well liked. Um, People were celebrating, but it was funny because my heart, I felt compassion 
So I felt like, yeah, it was the right decision for the organization because I knew the impact of some of her decisions, but I remember feeling compassion for her. And I thought, wow, this has got to be a work of God in my heart because, you know, like even a year ago, I would have been throwing a party probably. And the next day I had a chance to actually meet with her and minister to her, encourage her. And as soon as that happened, the very next day, there was um, an award. I, I won one of the top 100 Christian women in Canada, this national uh, recognition. And it doesn't really matter about the award, but I just felt like for me that God was saying to me, you made it through this time of crushing because it was really crushing on my identity and, you know, just my belief in myself and opportunity, all of that. And it was like, now I'm going to restore you. And it did take it. some time, like step by step, you know, but then I, now I ended up hosting this show and so many other opportunities have come my way, but I just know that sometimes when you're called to leadership, okay, all the time, when you are called to leadership, let me just say this, when that's, you know, your destiny, if you have a relationship with God, he is going to work on you to work on those character things, get those rough edges off of you, create his character in you in a really intense way. Because when you have a position of influence, Everything you say and do impacts people in really profound ways. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had, you've probably experienced this, Tina, where it's like one day you're in one position and you can say things to people and it's like no big deal. But all of a sudden you get a promotion and you have power over their lives. And now all of a sudden, everything you say has like the weight of a nuclear bomb as opposed to just your opinion. Yeah. You know, so it's like God is so committed to creating the character of God in you that actually you know, everybody wants to be in leadership is what I find nowadays, particularly everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame. Everybody wants to have like the, the platform and to be known and all of that. But honestly, it's so hard. Like God, I think just takes you through these seasons of suffering and character lessons and identity and just so many things. So that when he gives you the platform he's called you to, you're going to represent him well and not destroy people because yeah. you have that power. No, it's so crazy you say that because during that season that um, we were doing Freedom Climb, we we had a similar experience, Kathy and I did with some very difficult people, including our boss. And it was just that season of what, Lord, and stretching. And I look back now and what was so painful, I mean, there were so many days that Kathy and I would just pray and pray and pray and pray for other people who were just just not representing Christ well. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, and I and I'm not putting an organization down or anything by any means because I find having been in ministry in a lot of different areas, the enemy loves to use um, anything he can get. And oftentimes I believe that we don't put the emphasis on prayer and really becoming a team in prayer so passionately because we've got bullseyes on our heads when we're in leadership, especially in ministry there, you know, there's bullseyes on your head. The enemy wants to take you out. He wants to cause division. He wants. And when you look at it from that perspective, then it's, you don't get offended. It's so much easier to just go, okay, I have a choice here. I'm going to get offended or I'm going to pray and I'm going to do the things that I know are right. And I look back on myself and the lessons I learned where I failed because I got offended so often because yes, it was an injustice and I have a passion for injustice, you know, yes. 
So oh, it is, so it is hard. hard when you have that passion for injustice. And then when it's against you, we're like, wait a minute, that's just not right. You know? And so I would get angry in times when I probably should have been on my knees praying and been humble and been kind and compassionate. Like you described, I wasn't always that way. I look back now and go, wow, I could have done that so much better. But I also know in our failures is where we grow so much. So, you know, moving forward in, you know, where I'm at now, I know the responsibility I have to lead other women. And I know the responsibility I have to serve. And I also know though my responsibility to just be more like Jesus and to make choices to not get offended, to make choices to, you know, um, take the high road when, you know, it really, from a human fleshly perspective, well, I deserve this or it's wrong. At the end of the day, Jesus never said that, did he? That's not what he did. And that's not what he called us to do. And so it took me, you know, a couple of years to heal from some of the things that transpired and then really be true and wrong with myself and evaluate what part did I have in it? What part could I have done differently and really, um, been more like Jesus. And, um, you know, the one thing about God, he's so gracious, right? We can repent and move on and let it go. And then we're so much better for it moving forward. Oh, and that self-reflection is such a big part of leadership. And when you don't do it, it can be so destructive. And I, and I think too, like what you said about people get involved with church or ministries or even humanitarian organizations. And you just think, everyone's going to be amazing because we're all here for this common goal. And it's so exciting, you know, and, and you have this naivete, um, which I definitely went into it with. And then you realize, Oh, it's still just full of people, people with wounds, people with insecurities, people with control issues, people who want power, like all kinds of different kinds of people. And you're still going to get hurt and, and you take it harder because you had higher expectations, right? Absolutely. You know, you always hear about how expectations in relationship can be so crushing if you have, you know, like if your expectations are out of bounds. Oh, and it's just so much worse in a Christian environment, I think, because you think, come on, like you're a Christian, you shouldn't be acting like that. <laughs> of course, they're just human. And, and if you're not taking that time, you know, I talked about this uh, in my chapter, my book that I, I contributed to if you, if as a leader, you don't take time to go on those journeys of healing, to get counseling, to have self-reflection, to have spiritual mentorship, if you're not continually growing and healing and learning and figuring out, then people will suffer. And you're, that's even just in your marriage or as a parent, because that's leadership, right? Just in your home, but then multiply that to all the other people that you're interacting with on a daily basis. And, you know, Tina, I, I'm a huge believer that Leadership is influence. It's not a title. So influence over your children, influence in your spouse's life, your friends. You can lead right where you are. You do lead right where you are, whether you realize it or not. And what you do, every time you invest in your healing, every time you invest in your spiritual, emotional, mental health, you are giving a gift to the people you say you love. And in my experience, the people who need it the most are the ones who are the, have the biggest denial about it. And say, like, I don't believe in counseling, or I don't think we should do it, or I don't have time for that or whatever. It's like, yeah, no, you, you need, yeah, it, you need it most. Yeah, <laughs> no, I agree. And I think it's such a healthy thing when you realize that, you know what, it's a positive thing, not just for you, but for every relationship, just like you said. Um, I think God was preparing me in that season to get married because I got married three and a half years ago. 
Oh, and I had to learn. Thank you. So, um, and I'd been single for many, many years and been the leader in my home. And so, um, you know, he uses it all. I look and I laugh at some of the silly things that I let bug me when we first got married, you know, three and a half years later, it's like, now you overcome those little petty things. <laughs> You've been married a long time, Cheryl. I'm not married. No, I've been, no, I knew I've that. been dating. You've yes. been single so I, a long time, Emmett. Not married. Yes. <laughs> you were like yes. me. I, I didn't mean married. I've been dating someone for quite a while, but definitely still single. Um, didn't really see that coming, but I, you know, God just writes stories for you. And I, I think this is true about life. And I think anybody who's lived more than say like 30 years could just go, there's a lot of things in my life that didn't happen the way that I wrote my story. And then there's a lot of, especially if you're following God, there's a lot of amazing things that happen that I never could have imagined. And it's this mishmash of like awesome and disappointing and unexpected and amazing and happy and sad and life, right? Yeah. It's life. Well, and you know, I really didn't anticipate God sending me somebody. It was interest because I had no interest. I was full, you know, just so busy with ministry and kids. And um, I'd been single for so long. I was in a place actually that I was really content <laughs> and liked it. And I see how God used even marriage to stretch us. And as good as it was, as wonderful a godly man as he is, every relationship has, you know, those stretching moments and um, reveals things in us where we need a little more assistance, <laughs> a little more <laughs> humility, so a little true. more compassion, a little more generosity, a little more kindness. So, um, you know, so many of my girlfriends are single and they're, you know, still looking for the men or what have you. And I always tell them, I said, you know, whatever season we're in, I find yes. that God uses it all. And we yes. just need to learn to be content because it's not any greener on one side or the other. Any married friend you have will tell you that, right? And any single friend will tell you, you know, it's oh, yeah. both sides have their challenges. Jealous of me. Half my married friends <laughs> exactly. are jealous of me. There's, you know, like there's, there's positive things about being single and there's positive things about being married and on the reverse, the same as well. And you're right. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the Bible talks about this being content in whatever season that you're in and not always thinking that it's definitely going to be better. And I know that I couldn't have traveled all over the world, climbed Kilimanjaro and done everything I did yeah. if I'd had a, a family and a husband. And so I never really imagined this story. And yet I see how God's given me such a rich life. And if I'd spent all my time thinking, why don't I have this? And I thought it was going to be that. And, you know, then yep. I would have missed the joy, the adventure, the just growth, the amazing life that I've had. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can have the same amazing life, investing in your kids and having a wonderful marriage and growing your home. And it's just living the story that God has given you with Absolutely. your whole heart. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of the things when you said that, um, made me think of one of the things that we say so often with masterpiece women is every woman is a leader because I think sometimes women um, feel like if they're at home talk about the grass is greener if they're at home well I'm just raising my kids I'm just a stay-at-home mom and those of us who are working are like what do you mean just a stay-at-home mom like I would love to be that stay-at-home mom you know there's always that that wish on um, humanity, I guess, is what it is. We look at that and go, well, I would love to have that, right? Versus being content in where we're at. And one of our um, 
leaders did a podcast for me recently and it was bloom where you're planted and very similar to what you're talking about cheryl wherever god has you whether it's in full-time ministry full-time business that's where he has you and even business people i coach this program called life work leadership it's nine months of um really taking the characteristics of christ and implementing them in your workplace and um it's these amazing leaders in our community and um really helping them to see where you were planted, where God's called you in the marketplace is your ministry. There's not a, when I get to full-time ministry, then I've arrived in the place that God is calling me. That is your calling, unless he calls you out to something else. But oftentimes we don't see our businesses or our children, our homes as our calling. And I think there's something really rich in recognizing that your calling is wherever God has you planted and then really flourishing in it. I think one thing we don't understand about God is he's a lot more interested in the process and the destination. So when we have a vision, all we're worried about is like getting there. And sometimes we run people over, we neglect our personal relationships or ourselves in our drive to get to the place. And God's all about the journey and that friendship with him, that amazing relationship with him, investing in your growth and other people. He wants to see you grow. And women, I think you what you said, oh, I just have to go back to that. We compare. We compare so much. And social media has not helped that element oh, of our personalities. Sure. Right. And we're so hard on ourselves. We're, we're the first person to criticize ourselves. We don't need anyone else telling us that, that we're not this or we didn't do that. We already know. And we have a list of 10 other things you haven't yet even thought of that we are failing in. And my, one of my favorite quotes is comparison is the thief of joy which is a thousand percent true. But one of my other friends said, comparison is the thief of compassion. Mm. Oh, I just had to sit on that for a minute. Cause I was like, I know about joy, but you're right. Like when I'm comparing myself to Tina and saying like, oh my gosh, you have such a better life than me because you can fly first class and I, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, I, I don't have compassion for you anymore because I am, I'm looking at you as my competitor Absolutely. You know, one of my, I sat down with one of, one of my favorite authors and a wonderful person, Mary DeMuth, and she was sitting with a group of aspiring authors. And one of the things she said is there's room at the table for everyone. Amen. So when you want to write a book and everyone and their dog has written a book and 10 of them are about the top, you know, well, 5,000 of them are about the topic that you want to write about. You feel like, what, what do I have to contribute? Anything new. And it's kind of like, no, there's room at the table for what you bring to the table because it's totally unique. There's no one else like you. God Absolutely. loves diversity. Like think about the fact that there are billions of people in the world and not one of them is exactly like you, Tina. Exactly. Doesn't even look like you, doesn't act like you. Like that's, how did he do that? How did he make so many different adjustments that none of us are the same? So God loves diversity. He put things in each one of us that are like a fingerprint, totally unique. Nobody else has it. And there is room at the table for what you bring. Oh, that's just every time I, every time I feel I love that. like I'm not enough or that there's not room for me somewhere. I remember that saying, and I tell myself, no, there's room at the table there's for what room I bring at the table. I love that. And one of the things we do at our luncheons every month is exactly that it's asking each other, how can we support one another so that we are not only seeing that there's room at the table for us, but really intentionally, how do we support one another? Because oftentimes in business or ministry, anything, the competitiveness overshadows the generosity. It overshadows the encouragement. And I remember when um, 
I first rededicated my life to Lord. I had this amazing group of women around me in business and we we were all you know pretty strong leaders in our community and the most positive wonderful beautiful women they didn't know jesus but they they were the most compassionate kind great leaders and um over the course of the time they've all become christians as well and so it's beautiful but when i first started leading in the church i really struggled because here I had this group of friends that was so encouraging, so positive, so uplifting, would never gossip, would never, I mean, wouldn't even allow it. Like that was just not who we were. And suddenly I'm challenged. And I remember um, my, I said to him, I said, my non-Christian friends are behaving so much nicer than these women in the Christian environment. And, you know, I'd been a Christian my whole life, but I hadn't really been in leadership in the church. And I'd really like dug in deep and, he says, just remember, Tina, in the church, there's a lot of broken people that are coming here looking for something. And if you can stop and think about people individually is what is going on with them when they behave like that? What, what are they feeling? What, you know, and really trying to not look at that cover, then you can strip away that competitiveness. You can strip away all of that and just ask questions. And when you do watch what you uncover. And so I took his advice and what I realized is they just had not learned who they were. And I think that's part of what God really has instilled in me with this masterpiece women is helping the women to truly understand you are his masterpiece and you are so loved and so valued and he has great plans for you. You don't have to compete with someone else because just like you said, there's room at the table for all of us. And if we can help the other women feel that way and really emulate what he has said to us to others it changes so much of that and i just love the idea of women working together collaborating together encouraging each other and helping each other thrive in whatever environment god's called them to whether it's in leadership of their home leadership of a ministry business whatever i think we do too much comparison too much competition and i love the way the women are coming together and just emulating him so beautifully. Um, we had a lady walk in just recently to one of our luncheons accidentally because she was supposed to speak in the, the luncheon, the place next door um, in this mm -hmm. facility. And um, she met a bunch of the women and she goes, what is this? And come to find out she'd never, she was supposed to be next door. She came back the next month. She goes, I've never felt so loved. I never felt so valued. Like mm -hmm. I want to be a part of this. And I'm like, yes. That's what we're supposed to be like, you know, and it wasn't me. I just barely met her for two seconds. It was the women in the room that made her feel that way. And so I just love the movement that God's creating in all of this. And so I'm so thankful that you came to share with the women and be a part of it today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. How fun to reconnect 10 years later. What are I know, right? Next? Yeah, we need to not let it be 10 years. <laughs> I have to do it more often. I think we get so into some trouble that. together. <laughs> what can we do? That. Let's see. What mountain can we climb? What um where can we go? And yeah, we'll have to have a reunion. All right. Well, Cheryl, I'm going to um say farewell for now to you and thank you for joining Masterpiece Women on this podcast. And ladies, definitely connect with Cheryl. You're gonna have her bio down below. If you're in Canada, you definitely want to tune into her and have a blessed, blessed day, ladies. Mm -hmm.